Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture on this day of worship is Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I'm reading from the first chapter, Philippians 1, beginning in verse 21. And remember, as we hear these words, Paul is writing these from a jail cell. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Jesus Christ when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you are having the same struggle that I saw and had, and now hear that I still have. Uh, the, The actor Robert Pattinson has had a big year and has a big year ahead. He, he is starring in the upcoming movie Tenet, and he's been filming the next uh, installment of the superhero franchise. Uh, this one is called The Batman. In April, he, he was filming Batman and, uh, in London, and, and apart from the filming, he was otherwise uh, quarantined in a London apartment that had been provided for him by the, by the movie folks. As you might, as I imagine what, what his days look like, uh, I, I would imagine uh, the superhero actor getting up early and maybe going for a run before he comes back to uh, read and study, uh, probably eat some grilled chicken for lunch before putting on his cape to keep the world safe. But that was not the life he was living at all. It, it, instead, GQ magazine interviewed him, and he was in this really deep seclusion. He was rarely leaving his apartment. The photograph for the article has him slumped in the corner of the apartment, all bedraggled and ungroomed. He's slouched in the corner with with empty food stuff around him. There's an empty cereal bowl in front of him, a box of Special K that was opened. by the looks of the picture, staged, of course, but it was demonstrating that he was probably uh, eating some of his meals on the floor. 
He told his interviewer that, uh, that lunch sometimes might be a, a can of tuna eaten right out of the can with Tabasco sauce. He told the interviewer that he had lost almost all sense of time. The, the Batman folks would send over his meals, but he had recently started getting nervous that they might stop or, or forget. And he even started getting worried that the owners of the apartment were going to need it back soon and all the rest. Do you resonate with any of these bizarre impacts of the secluded life? I mean, the isolation of pandemic can get to you after a while. And, and let's be honest, every part of our external world has changed and not for the better. The virus still takes about a thousand lives a day in this country. The country's more divided than ever over politics and race and policy. Unemployment numbers are five times what they were during the Great Depression. And so all of these national numbers that we keep getting bombarded with can, can become so much that we get numb. I have been more shocked and more uh, moved even by the individual stories. A friend of mine who has a good but a modest job, two kids in school, he, t- he told me last week that his wife has lost her job in all of this. She's in the makeup industry. And as you can imagine, if everybody's stuck at home and wearing masks, they're certainly not putting on makeup. The makeup business has taken a real dive. So her job has gone away. But this young family has the same expenses, the same pressures, now one modest paycheck instead of two. The outside realities of living are, for many of us, harder than they have ever been. We're not going to minimize the serious pressure and pain of this pandemic. But still, I think the external realities being lived out by the Apostle Paul in today's story are bleaker still. When our scripture for today was written, Paul was in a jail cell in Rome writing to a house church in Philippi that was embroiled in conflict. First, let's drill down a little bit on what a first century jail cell might have looked like. First of all, I assure you there were no uh, food deliveries from the folks at Batman. It's a stone floor, stone walls, stone ceiling, Food was likely whatever your buddies might could slide through the cracks in the stone. You've got Mediterranean heat, no thermostat, no fan. I'm not going to say much here. I want you to use your imagination about the implications of no indoor plumbing in a hot jail cell. That alone would tell you that Paul's external conditions are just about the worst anybody could imagine. And besides, he doesn't yet know what his sentence is. This might be the final stop. He doesn't know yet the verdict that might come back that will secure his execution. So, 
Now let's add to that part of his external reality the fact that he's writing to a church that he dearly loves. And, and, and they're in the middle of serious conflict. On the second missionary journey, Paul planted this church uh, in Philippi. It's on the coast of Greece, the first Christian church ever planted in Europe. And this, this group of believers are particularly special to Paul. But now they're, they're in the throes of a severe conflict, and Paul is trying to address that in this letter. But, but first, these opening verses, this first chapter, has our attention today. And so listen again to some of these opening verses, the tone of this letter, and keeping in mind Paul's external reality. He's writing these verses from a jail cell that we just imagined and smelled together moments ago. For to me, living is Christ. Dying is gain. If I'm going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I do not know which I prefer. I'm, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I might share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Now, this is just staggering to me. Paul says, you know what? I, just, I love living. I love life. I get to work. I get to be helpful to you. I get to hear about all the progress at your church and all the joy you have in your faith. I just love my life. Then you know what? I might be executed soon, but so? I mean, that's better still. If I lose my life, I'll be in the beautiful presence of Christ. To tell you the truth, I don't even know which one's better. Living is Christ, dying is gain. He wrote those words from the filth of his jail cell and not knowing if he might soon be executed. It's simply amazing. You could not tell from the writing that his external world is so horrible. His external reality could not have been much worse, and yet his internal life so filled with joy and gratitude. I mean, how is that even possible? It made me think of that line that uh, Viktor Frankl wrote during his imprisonment in a Nazi uh, concentration camp during World War II. This is amidst the horror of another kind of imprisonment. And in his time in prison, Frankel wrote these words. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. We are no longer able to change a situation we are challenged to change ourselves. What Paul demonstrates in this letter is an interior life that is so strong 
that Paul's inner hope plays a bigger role than his outer circumstance. He's unable to change the situation, but Paul is able to change his attitude because his life is so drenched with the ultimate hope of Christ's love and victory. Paul says, I have important work to do. I love my life. But you know what? Dying in Christ's love would be better still. To live as Christ, to die as gain. As we said last week, this is not a call to deny the external hardship. I mean, we take a sober assessment of the reality. We don't, we don't just whistle while we work and ignore the pain that's all around. Instead, what this shows is that Paul has developed an inner strength, a holy imagination that's allowed him to face hardship with a different vision because he has such a fierce hope in the Christian truth. Part of the good news for us today is that what Paul has done to deepen his spirituality, to liberate his imagination, part of the work he has done is well suited to our confinement as well. Because this happens through the consequence of prayer and worship and attention to the soul that creates a deep well of trust. This kind of faith doesn't grow because of your church membership or your committee assignments. This faith grows in the quiet disciplines that enlarge our trust in God's ultimate care. And it's in those quiet moments that we can find our purpose. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, Paul said. It's in those quiet moments of prayer that we find our hope. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. I've told this story before. I told it several years ago, but as I've said on a couple of other occasions when I repeated stories, some of you weren't there that Sunday, and so you missed it. And some of you weren't even paying attention. So sometimes I'm just forced to repeat myself. I'm going to tell the story again. Late into my mother's uh, stage four cancer diagnosis, and this is late, this is after things had already begun to take a pretty bleak turn, I went to Greenwood where she lived and and, uh, spent the day with her. And what she wanted to do that day was drive around Greenwood and see the houses uh, that she had lived in. Greenwood was the town where she had grown up. And so we went by and looked at houses uh, of her childhood. When she and my dad first married, they bought a house there in Greenwood. We went around to take a look at that house as well. We're just chatting, spending the day together. And then the tone shifted. It turned serious, and she turned to me in the car and said, Doc, what I'm about to say to you is probably not going to make sense to you at all. But if I could go back to living the way things were before the diagnosis, I wouldn't go back. She said, on this side of the diagnosis, everything tastes sweeter. She said, every day counts more. 
every relationship is more precious to me than ever. My faith is more, more real. My faith is more alive. She said, everything on this side of the diagnosis just tastes sweeter. There are some people whose inner life has more power than their external circumstance. I have no way of knowing the severity of your external circumstances. But I do know that whatever you were enduring before, the pandemic has made worse still. But here's the good news in the midst of it all. There is a place deep within the holy imagination and the prayerful heart and the hopeful confession that has a power to transform even the most dire external condition. There is a chance for us to develop the kind of mature faith that animates from within even when there are terrible events all around. Now, it's still remarkable to me (laughs) But the Apostle Paul found that place in its complete fullness. He was able to call upon a faith that was so alive, so vibrant, so sure, that he was able to write a hope-filled letter of encouragement from within a stone prison facing a possible death sentence. And what all is going on in our country right now, I, I first want to applaud the efforts that many of you have given to work and volunteer and advocate for ways that our shared life might be healthier and more just and more sane. But maybe we can also use this time of solitude to do some work on our inner condition as well. Maybe we can pray and read and worship in a way that starts to develop a faith that bubbles even when there is danger all around. But perhaps we will start to see that our inner life can have far more power than our external realities. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.